Hi friends, welcome to the Recover Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Bridget Blood. Together, we are building a community of men and women who are learning what it means to grieve well, rest well, and love well, to live the life we dream of. No one is left out of this grand adventure. Now is the time to recover your life. Hi friends, so glad that you are here to join today's conversation with my friend, Amy Davis Abdallah. Amy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bridget. It's really good to be here with you and your people. And we have known each other for many years and you got to know me as a little college student just trying to figure out who the heck I am and how I'm supposed to show up in the world. And we actually connected first through Woman, the rite of passage that you had at Nyack College that helped um, young girls transition into actually owning womanhood. I actually have my necklace on today, uh, which I, it's, it's definitely one of those things. Today, we're going to talk about your your book and the importance of rites, and, right, the importance of rites of passes and rituals in our life. Um, but this is one of those things, like literally for me personally, having gone through that program, having that been so transformative in my life, like there are days like today where I show up and I say like my body needs the help and the reminder that I'm powerful, that I'm a woman, that I'm good, and the way that I partner with other women in the world matters. And so, yes, you're part of this, but even that like ritual act, like I'll, I'll do that in other place. I'll wear it on dates. I'll wear it um, to important meetings where I feel like I really need to step up. It's just been a beautiful part of my story. So, so excited to dive into this topic with you today. Yeah, well, two things I need to say. First of all, you were never little. Um, <laughs> you may be shorter than I am, yes. but there was always this deep understanding that there was a great potential for mm-hmm. you to be the woman that you are now and continuing to be this woman who's influencing the world. I think we always knew that about you, Bridget. Mm. And secondly, I love that because it shows the, the powerful nature of symbols. Mm-hmm. When we attach meaning to the symbol, which is which yeah. is what we attach to it, like this this, this, this empowerment to be the person that God created you to be and walk her out in the world with confidence using your voice. Mm-hmm. And then you just put it on because yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a symbolic reminder that seems, I love how it's like right over your heart right now too. Mm-hmm. Well, not quite mm-hmm. your heart's a little bit lower, yeah. but close enough that, um, that it, that it kind of connects to the inner, the inner part of you as you seek to continue to be who you are out in the world. Mm-hmm. It matters too. Like, even before we start our conversation, I know we've been able to have many conversations over the years. And I'm just really grateful. I recently just started um, volunteering at my church with college students. And so I have a group of awesome young women um, that I get to spend the time with this year. And one of the things I got to tell them was just how grateful I am that not only in the college season, but to be almost a decade out and to still have powerful women like you that are like, nope, I'm here to champion you. I'm here to answer questions. I want to follow along in your journey. Like that has just, that's mattered a lot to me. So I appreciate you. Thanks. It's been so good to be with you, Bridget. Mm-hmm. So, okay. We're going to talk about your new book, Meaning in the Moment. And I have to read the subtitle because those are always my favorite parts of books. I always like, that's the one, like, I'm going to buy the book because of that. So it says how rituals <laughs> help us move through joy, pain, and everything in between. And so this is why I wanted you on the Recover Your Life podcast, because this is our family value here, is what does it actually mean to be people who can hold both grief and glory, like goodness, sadness, joy, pain, like 
how do we exist as humans in that space? So as we kind of start our conversation today, would you kind of tell our listeners, like, what made um, this path of study, understanding how rituals can transform us, like, what made that the right thing for you to give your life to, to share with the world? Well, I didn't know it for a long time, that that's what I wanted to give my life to, but it, it started with what I started with the rite of passage that, that I did with you, it was my dissertation topic when I was getting a PhD. I still can't believe they let me study this, rites of passage for women in evangelical yeah. Christianity, because there's so few. But it was because I wanted something. When I was young, I thought I was going to find my college sweetheart. We were going to get married. I was going to teach elementary school. He was going to be the youth pastor. And I was going to be a missus and mom. And that's how I was going to understand myself as a woman. And that did not happen for me until I was in my late 30s. I got married at 39, had my first child at 41. And so I had all of these questions of, I didn't get that ritual. I didn't get that wedding ritual. I didn't get all of this. Dang, I really wanted to have a shower because I had to... I had to buy all my own stuff from my apartment mm-hmm. and that's a lot. And it's a, and it's a big transition, but more than that, how do I understand myself as a woman working within Christianity? Cause I worked within Christianity. I spent a little bit of time in the public school, but most of my time has been worked within, has been working within Christianity yeah. where they don't see single women. Mm-hmm. And sorry, this is an overgeneralization. It's not everyone where they don't see single women as fully women. Mm-hmm. And so like you become mature, you become a person when you're married. And I'm like, wait a second. I've had a career, I have a master's, I have a PhD, I am a full person and I'm a full woman because my roles don't define who I am. God defines who I am. And so I wanted and deeply desired to have something that outwardly said, hey, this is who you are, Amy, so that I could fully understand it for myself and so that I could live it out in the world. And I, I mean, the truth is I've never had that. I've given it to other people, but so it was kind of this gradual understanding but I, but weddings do something to us. That's why we do them. Yeah. I just officiated one a couple of weeks ago. It's not just, it's not just like, oh, flowers and bells and all of that. No, you get a different name. You are a new person. And even if you don't change your name, you're called husband and you're called wife. This is something that has changed inside of you. We mark it as Christians. And I'm not assuming that your whole audience is Christian. In fact, I hope not all of them are. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's my perspective. So I come from a Christian perspective and I say, and I say, hey, this is this is how this is marked. And I find also I'm very connected to my emotions. I'm, I'm connected to the different transitions and I'm deeply connected to people. And when someone leaves and I don't get to see them for years and years and years, mm-hmm. I need to have some kind of some kind of thing that I do with saying goodbye. Like, do we give each other a gift? Do we do we like rituals are really just part of our lives. And yeah. um, we already do a whole bunch of rituals. We have birthday parties, we go to church, um, we do similar things. And some of our rituals have deep meaning, which we would say is most important for that. Um, but, but I find it hard to transition. I find it hard to transition in relationships. Like I was engaged and then we, then we broke up. Like, what do I do? Yep. What do I do with the stuff? What, how do I help myself move forward as I work through what's invisible? Yep. Like my, my mind, my process. But how do I how do I do something physical that embodies outwardly that I am moving forward? And so I have found that rituals transform me. I mean, we hope that our Christian worship services transform people. Yeah. Um, I have found that um, I can I can feel one way, do something. And I found this. I tell a story about my sabbatical ending ritual in the book. 
I, I was grumpy. It was awful. I didn't want to transition back to back to my regular job. I did an outward act, a small, just like little thing. That's a candle lighting ritual. And I completely was transformed. The next day I wanted my, my whole perspective was changed. Rituals have power. We think about them as like witches and seances and, and all of that. Well, there's negative power, but then there's also, there's also this positive power. And so I'm interested in rituals because even psychologically, this, uh, the psychology of ritual is really fascinating. These things help us. They help us become more human. Not that you're already not human, but they help us. Humans are connected to one another. They help us realize our identity. They help us move forward in difficult and wonderful circumstances of our lives. Yeah. We already do a whole bunch of them. Why not do more to help yeah. us be better? I love that. So for our conversation today, can you just give a simple definition of what a ritual is that we will use in our conversation today? Yeah, it's really hard to pin down a definition of ritual. Like there's so many different definitions. In my book, I use Teresa Rando's definition. And basically she says, it's something that gives symbolic meaning to um, the invisible. It's kind of what I'm talking about. It gives deeper meaning mm -hmm. to um whatever is going on in your life or whatever, like we have, we have wedding rings. I'm wearing mine right now. Yeah. The ritual of putting that on uh, gave a meaning and the meaning that, that is, is kind of contained in the symbol that is given to that and um, that, that, that symbolizes marriage. And whenever I wear it all the time and so it never comes off. And so whenever I walk around in my world, people know that. And yeah. so there's a ritual act of putting that on. And so, so there's a symbolic meaning. Now it doesn't have to be as, as intense as a wedding ritual. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't even have to be as, as intense as the necklacing that we do for women. Yeah. Uh, it can just be just really simple. I mean, one of the things we always do that doesn't have Christian symbolic meaning, but has symbolic meaning are birthday parties. Um, you know, we have a cake that's normal. Like we almost always have a cake. We have candles, we have wishes, we have a meal. And so you take kind of the normal stuff of life, which is just having a meal and you give it deeper meaning and specific meaning and that's a ritual. So it can be super, super, super simple. Yeah. Um, or it can be, it can be broad and complex. And rituals, they're, they're just helpful to us. Mm -hmm. um, again, it's kind of a slippery definition, as I'm telling you. But, um, but that's because there, what I would say is not a ritual. I mean, you can call brushing your teeth in the morning you're like been, and putting your makeup on if you're a woman. Or like you can you can call those things your morning ritual if you want, but there's really no deeper symbolism to that. So is that more of a routine then? It's more of a routine. Yeah. And it's a routine. It's a habit. Like, mm -hmm. so I would say that rituals, well, rituals are not always habits because um, they don't have to be repeated. You can, I mean, yeah. we hope that that we only get married once, right? If we get married. And so yeah. it doesn't always happen that way. But so it can it can just be one time. So it's more like a routine. It's more like a habit. Rituals can be habits. Rituals can be routines, yeah. but not all routines are habits or not all routines are rituals and not all habits are rituals. There's a lot of great stuff, though, about habits that coincides. Like there's a lot of that's been written about that that coincides with some of the powerful nature of rituals in general. Amazing. While you're sharing that, the idea of a ritual that just that I practiced recently was I'm in this new season of building a company, which I've been kindly telling people it's not as sexy as it looks on the internet. <laughs> like I'm still trying to figure out how we do this whole thing. 
And so I was in this like rut of, I was working really, really hard and feeling like I was spending hours and hours of week doing a lot of emotional, physical, financial output and not really seeing anything actually change in my physical life. And so I was like, I have to make a meal because I have to work and I have to have us end these two hours or however long it's going to take me. And it needs to be something nutritious and comforting and good for my body that I can actually see and share. Because if I have to contribute to another thing that I don't see, I'm probably going to lose my mind. <laughs> I was like, how do I have something that feels, again, I don't even remember what I made. I made him like a, I don't even remember what the meal was that I made, but I was like, I need to make something with my hands where I'm putting effort in and I'm getting something delicious and comforting and like worthy of sharing on the other side of this. And it felt so comforting to me of like, okay, my body's connected back to like, I, I exist in the world and I matter. Yeah. And so like, and you finished something like when you're starting a new business and this is one thing I write about like beginnings in the book, like not all be like beginnings, like even the beginning of marriage, we're like, Oh, this is so great. Oh, so exciting. And it looks so sexy. Like you say on the internet, yeah. but, but they are really hard. Like there's a lot of ambivalence. There's a lot of, there's a lot of challenges. And to remind yourself that I, I am still worthy of comfort that I, that I am worthy of all of this. And I think that connects to a historic biblical Jewish and Christian ritual, which is Sabbath, where the reason that we rest is not because everything got done, but the reason that we rest is that God finishes and God finished yeah. God's work and God invites us into God's rest. And so we can have rituals that go along with that, but even just saying a certain, a certain day of your week, you're not going to like, I'm not saying you, I say, I, I'm not going, I don't work on one day a week. And I have particular boundaries around that because it's a super deep reminder. And it's my ritual reminder that it's not all about me, that God finishes, that God is greater. And I rest because I trust God. And it's an outward action that reminds me of that. So great. Um, I think that there's, um, this, there's place, this place. Uh, one of the things uh, I really one of the things loved, I really loved in the book was you talk about the concept of how rituals help us reclaim agency, agency and autonomy. If we're in a season, if we're in a season where really life feels really out of control. And so as a community of wanting to be people that grieve well, rest well, love well, right? Like it is okay that we desire comfort, right? Just, mm -hmm. I don't continue to have conversations with people where they're like, Hey, like, I feel like I'm not living the best version of me, or I don't always feel like I show up as a person I want to be. And I'm like, Hey, like, it's okay that you are longing for connection. Now, sometimes the way that we pursue connection might come out sideways, but that desire is still good. You know, you know, you talked about how ritual can be used for harm, things like gang initiations, right? Mm -hmm. It's a, do, do I matter to you? Like, do you have my back? Like, Again, now the behavior, right, from my moral perspective, I go, hey, I'm not sure if that's going to contribute to a life of goodness and connection, but the desire that's leading to that is a really good desire. So how can we meet that in a healthy way? Yeah, gang initiations meet a deep need that people have for, for belonging. And then when you're initiated, like the literature around that would say that in that initiation, everyone who is receiving the new individual is reminded of their initiation, which then deepens their, deepens their identification with one another and their grouping around a common goal. And wouldn't it be great if our baptisms, 
<clears throat> which are which are so frequently done as Christian initiation. I took a class in, in my PhD program that was called Christian Initiation, primarily about baptism. And so how do we look at this and say, how do we how do we make this a place of you coming together with a group of people, a place of unification and a place where everyone who's been baptized reminds, remembers their baptism and comes together and comes around that. And so there are rituals that we do within Christianity. Um, and I think they can be enhanced mm -hmm. to with with our understanding of psychology, with our understanding yeah. of other initiations. Yes. I mean, gangs don't do good for the world, but the individual feels like they belong yep. and they're gathered around a common goal. And those are deep needs that we have as humans. I guess I know, I'm having a light bulb moment as we're talking. Um, even though I've talked around this concept, I guess I just am now putting together of that is how you're creating a communal bond is the remembering, mm -hmm. which I mean, makes sense with Jesus's invitation to communion hey, keep repeating this ritual and remember this moment with me. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, <laughs> light bulb. Like, again, that's why it matters. And that's why it's so connecting because it's not just about maybe the people that you share it with in your pew at church or if you're, you know, taking that privately. But like, we're joining with a history of people. And again, whether that's a Christian ritual or something um like birthday parties or Christmas trees or yep. um, engagement rings. Like I, I'm, it's a, rem, it's a call to remember what has happened. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah. And so not only communion, but so I just did a wedding a couple of weeks back and in the wedding, I wanted to make sure that there was a prayer that I prayed that was a blessing on all married people. May they remember their vows and continue wow. to keep their vows. So when you come to a wedding, that's just one way that we live out our Christianity. Not everyone lives out their Christianity that way, but that's one way. To, and those who followed it, when you come and you experience it again, it's a reminder and it's a renewal in a sense, not the same as a vow renewal, but it's renewal in a sense. So baptism is that. And then communion is that. And the theology behind the memory, the remembering and communion is not all about the past. Yeah. So when they, when they talk about the theology of what we do, you remember what Jesus did. You remember what Jesus did in your life. You remember what Jesus is doing in your life. And then you remember this banqueting table that scripture talks about for our future. So it's like, it's like this moment in time that encapsulates all of time. And it encapsulates this idea of, of sacrifice, of hospitality, and of love that has been happening throughout all of time Absolutely. of God seeking out the person. And we miss that. Like we so frequently miss that because we haven't, thought about that we think of memory only as the past but but there's I mean if you I don't expect you to read all the theology I have because I'm a liturgical studies nerd and 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 I'm just like that is the coolest thing and if when I celebrate communion or if when I celebrate celebrate a wedding I can bring this kind of this kind of memory into that ritual to shepherd my people to create this that time is bigger we're part of something bigger but this encapsulates all of it all at once in a mysterious way. I think that's what rituals do because rituals act mysteriously. Mm -hmm. We don't, I don't know why. Mm -hmm. When I had my sabbatical ending ritual, I lit a candle and I lit some things from that candle and then I blew out some candles. And I don't know why blowing out the candles actually helped me let go of what I wanted to let go and move forward. I yeah. can't tell you why, mm -hmm. but I know that it did. And I know that that was powerful for me. And I was able to move forward in the way I wanted to, but couldn't without the ritual. Yeah. Which is really important, whether it's a, a joy, exp I think 
but it's the both. Or I was going to say if it's a joy experience, because even a wedding is a joy experience, but it also is a grief experience of I'm leaving singleness. Yep. And so it is the both of we can honor. I mean, I think about when you have a graduation ceremony, right? There's so much joy in that, but there is some fear and some sadness of like, wait, the community that I've identified with, the friends that I've had, the guidance that I've had, I'm, there is a loss of it. And so that ritual, right? Let's graduation ceremony is something that we would recognize culturally. Like it does hold both and it allows us to um, not necessarily to feel it because we're our, our bodies are already experiencing the emotion, but it allows us to acknowledge that both realities are present within our experience. Yeah, and I agree with that <clears throat> as a concept, but I don't think our rituals always acknowledge the grief. Okay. So I think in my experience, graduation rituals are all like, oh, you finished, you're moving forward, everything's going to be great. And not saying, because, and I write about this in the book, like these are new beginnings. And yes, they're wonderful new beginnings. Yeah. But if you're not acknowledging what you've ended and what you're letting go of, I mean, for you, acknowledging the stability of like, someone else paying you and taking care of all of that when you were in Ohio mm -hmm. and moving to this place of like absolute freedom. Everyone says freedom is great. Well, yeah. freedom is also really, really hard and really challenging. Yeah. How do we acknowledge that, that what you're moving into mm -hmm. is challenging mm -hmm. and then also acknowledge, like, I, I wish we talked about what you're leaving more because mm -hmm. we're good at creating. We we're good at talking about new beginnings. We're good at like, Hey, let's begin this. Mm -hmm. And it, like even within, like if someone is unemployed, mm -hmm. we're like, okay, we'll sell, we, we want to get you employed. Or if someone is single and they want to be married, we want to get them married, but we're not with them. We're not with them in the ambivalence of that middle stage. Mm -hmm. We don't know how, we just want to solve their problem. If you want to call it a problem mm -hmm. and we want to begin with them. But even in those beginnings, like we're, we're always like, how's married life? We don't say, Hey, do you miss being single sometimes? And how wow. are you processing that? Yeah. We don't say, Hey, what's next? We always say, Hey, what's next? Um, what were you going to? We don't say, we don't say, you know, are you, are you able to remain connected with the people that you studied with? How are, how are you doing with that? And, and have you grieved that loss? Because there's a safety in studying yeah. that you don't have when you're done studying. Mm -hmm. That's so great. Even that's, that is a topic that you cover in the book, the importance of starting with the ending. It's funny that you say that because my personal Bridget experience in the world, I spend a lot of time. I feel very comfortable in the grief space. I've done a lot of my own work in that. And so even just the reminder of like, oh yeah, hey, which is, I, I do want to say that like that can even be a lonely experience in the world because I exist in a culture um, where the acknowledgement of grief can be seen as needy or mm -hmm. not focusing on the good or um, not trusting God because well you're focusing on the negative I said not focusing on the negative the the negative or the painful is already happening I just want to honor that's mm -hmm. a huge word for me is honor like I want to honor that it's sad and I've noticed in my own body right um couple years ago, having gone through a really painful season shift in my life where my brain went like, I don't know how to do this. This is more pain than we've ever felt equipped to handle. Like, I don't know what to do now. Um, I mm -hmm. found that giving myself permission to enter into, and there were so many like little rituals along the way. And I would love to, us to kind of 
as we talk more, talk about like, what are some practical, not even practical examples, but like, what are some real life examples of what this looks like? Um, but this, like, I got to embrace the joy of a beginning a lot faster than if I would have just been like, oh, this painful end happened. Let's not talk about it. Move on to the good thing because that would have just stayed stuck in my body and also would have robbed the beauty of the new beginning because it would have just felt so suffocated in the pain that I left. So can we talk a little bit about that? Why, what is the importance and what does that look like to be people that start at honoring the ending? Yeah, I love the word that you're using, honor. I was in a therapy session the other day, highly recommend therapy. I'm sure that your group is into that. Um, and, and I've been noticing that I'm very angry mm-hmm. about something that happens. And she's like, and she basically said, you need to honor yeah. the rage. And I'm like, yes, like it resonated mm-hmm. in my body. And I think a lot of our society, not you, but a lot of us are really good at kind of, I don't know, thinking that we put it, we put that in our shoulder. If we're talking about things in our body, like mm-hmm. we put that, we, we put that grief in our shoulder and it's just a tiny part and we can just ignore it and then it'll be fine. But if it's in your shoulder, it's still there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a really silly way to talk about it, but it's very true. Like it's still there. And any of us who've had shoulder pain, which I have, Mm -hmm. you know that it can, it can, like it can come up and like slap you and punch you in your face. So how do you honor that? The idea of starting with an end is not mine. Um, There's a guy, his book is down here. It's William uh, Bridges. There we go. I saw his name. His name's William Bridges. And so he talks about transitions and he just says, hey, every new beginning is preceded by an ending. Yeah. And our endings happen differently. And he talks about endings and middles and how important it is to do that good work. But if we don't acknowledge that end, just like you're saying, we cannot, I don't mean to say we cannot, because a lot of us begin, mm-hmm. um, but it enhances our ability to begin again. Mm-hmm. And I think for, and your audience would be familiar with this, that we think we're strong people if we can just not grieve and just be strong and just, but pretty soon the grief is just, and then it, then it starts to explode in different areas of your life through different kinds of emotions. Mm-hmm. So the more that we acknowledge the end, yeah. you know, um, he writes, William Bridges writes in his book about a woman who had just had a baby mm-hmm. and how everyone's like, oh, you just had a baby. Isn't that wonderful? Wow. You know, this is something that you've been hoping for your whole life. And she's like, but no one talks to me about how I don't have the same freedom I had before. No one talks to me about about all of the things that I lost Mm -hmm. the moment that child came out of my body. Um, And I'm not allowed to talk about that because I'm only supposed to be focusing on the good. Mm -hmm. But we have to say goodbye in order to say hello. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever noticed at a social situation, it takes a whole lot longer to say goodbye than it does to say hello. Like you go around, like you're at a wedding, you got to say goodbye to the bride and groom, say goodbye to the people that you talk to and and leave. But when you come into the, when you come into the wedding and you come into the reception, it's like, hi, Mm -hmm. I mean, after that, it takes, it takes a long time. It takes a lot of work to say goodbye. Well, I used to be one of those people who liked to just like slip out, Mm -hmm. but being in other cultures, I've learned that it's honoring to other people Mm -hmm. and honoring to yourself when you say goodbye to more people. When you actually, when the people that you've talked to, that you've connected with, you you finish that. And yeah. so now if someone leaves and they don't say goodbye, I'm like, okay, that's okay. But I wanted to say goodbye to you. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, I wanted to finish this time, this social time even that we've had together mm-hmm. by a hug, mm-hmm. by some kind of, some kind of good. Mm-hmm. 
that I can give to you to send you off. And when I like, it just takes, it takes longer to say goodbye than it says, than it does to say hello. Yeah. And I think that probably is also really important in the idea of how do we walk with people through the middles, right? Because our brain, Mm -hmm. right? Psychologically, our brain wants to close a loop. So that is why it's helpful Mm -hmm. again to say, okay, there's a start, there's a finish and it starts again. But so much of our life is in the middle and middles are not always great, (laughs) right? They can be good, but boring. They can be incredibly painful where you keep hitting new beginnings of pain or new waves of pain, whether that's physical or psychological or just, you know, depending on what it looks like in your season. And so being able to mark moments to kind of have some like, um, um, I'm thinking about like an obstacle course where you've got the rope, like, what was it called? Like where you've got, um, like it's, it's like the rope is tied. So, you know, like, okay, I've got this part to the next mark. I don't, I'm not sure what the mm-hmm. official. I can picture it. I know what you're talking about, but it's like a belay rope, but that's not something like that. I right. I know what you're talking where about. Where it's though. like, a you're hey, giving me the picture. it's not completely finished, but it's a pausing moment of like, I've arrived somewhere. Mm-hmm. I may not have arrived at the end yet but at least I've arrived here. Um, And so being able to have kind of those, those small moments in the, in middles have been helpful. So like the idea of the, um, the meal that I made of like in the grand Mm -hmm. scheme of my life, did making dinner really change my life at all? No, it didn't, but it (laughs) brought some inner peace to that. I think about um, um, this is not necessarily a, um, a repeated, well, maybe it is repeated. So I'm just thinking about one ritual that's been really important to me. Um, I really honor the work of Andrew and Christy Bauman. They do a lot in the space of navigating healthy sexuality, but they do a lot in like understanding how ritual and connecting to our bodies helps us understand our story, our um, embodiment of sexuality and our expression of sexuality in the world. And so one of the things that Christy talks about is this dream that she had where she had this dream, she was in a city and there was all this smog. And she goes, that is kind of the re- representation in my, my experience of what toxic sexual sexuality does to people. And then she's like, but I also saw this gold dust in the air and the gold dust was God's beautiful design for sexuality and how it connects us to each other. And so I have this bottle of like sparkle oil that mm-hmm. when I feel disconnected and I really want to reconnect to sexuality, to desire, to play, to de- like all of those things, when I feel like I need an expression, especially as a single person, right? How can I reconnect when I don't have a sexual partner to say, I want to connect to sexuality for me? And I have that way. And I'll just put it on my arms and I'll just bless my body and I'll say, Body, I thank you. Um, I want to show up kindly to you. I bless your desire for delight and pleasure and play. Um, And that's been something that's been really important to me that again, does the sparkle itself change? No, but I can tell you that I show up differently in the room when I've had that ritual act. Yeah. And sparkly oil is just kind of fun, but I love, I love that you do that to honor your body. um, We honor, we need to honor our bodies in multiple different ways. When we don't, it shows up. But to honor your body and honor your sexuality through that physical thing, it is a ritual. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and it doesn't have to happen at a certain time every day. But you know that you find comfort in that act mm-hmm. that we are unified beings. Mm-hmm. 
but rituals a special way for us to act out of that unity yeah. of the physical and of the immaterial like it's just it's a way that we enact that because when we when we do it bodily it affects us it, it affects what's mm-hmm. what we don't see and when we do when we do it in ways that we don't see, I mean, different spiritual acts mm-hmm. that we do that may that may be that may be invisible also affect our body. Like like we're a unified being when we do that. And I love that you have that ritual to honor that. Middles are really hard, and you know we're we're all in a middle, like between birth and death. We're like on our way to death. But um, I'm in a middle right now that's a little bit hard. I don't have a full time job. And I was actually writing a blog post to go with the book that's coming out. And so I was looking back through the book and in the book I have right now with friends and at church rituals. Well, the right now rituals are the kind of thing that you're talking about where you just do, it can be, can be little, it can be be big, but the right now rituals, the purpose of it is you don't need anything special to do it and you can do it on your own. And so there's this ritual and it's just called liminal times. And it's about like when you feel completely unmoored, Mm -hmm. Um, in this liminal time period. I'm not going to remember it properly. I don't remember what, what page it's on, and I'm not going to be able to find it right now. But but it's basically this idea where you stick your feet on the ground, and this is just a grounding experience yeah. that people do. I mean, all it's like goes along with Christian practices forever, right? So you push your feet on the ground, and, and you think about what actually is stable mm-hmm. in your life. Yeah. So, so yes, I don't have a full-time job, but I have a husband who is healthy and good. You know, like I have kids, we have a home Mm -hmm. that, that we own. All of this can go away. It can all go away, but right now, and when I push my feet down, I'm remembering that stability. And then it's take a glass of water. I mean, water's like, we always have access to water, right? Mm -hmm. You're never going to not have access to water. And I take the glass of water and I say, God, as you meet my needs in that way, may you meet my needs in the other ways. And so to be able to, I did it. I was writing this blog post about being unemployed and about how, me, how metal, middles are, are messy and it's really hard to mark them. And then I looked at my book and I found something and I did it yeah. and it helped me. And I remember physically doing that and really, really simple, nothing esoteric, mm-hmm. something you can do with other people. If you want, you sit in a circle and just, or just with, with your best friend or with someone, a family member, you know, you, you can do that really simply together. And it's just, it's just taking normal stuff of life, like water and giving it meaning because Jesus does that when he says, Hey, the wells of the water of life can rise up inside of you. And he's standing, he's standing beside a well with Fotini, the Samaritan woman. Like it's, it can just be so hopeful. If you are people, let me say, if you are people, I think your audience are people who desire to be present to themselves. Yeah. And if you're present to yourself, then you understand how things go up and down and all around. Mm-hmm. And when you're present to yourself through ritual, you can help yourself mm-hmm. come to a place that feels more peaceful and mm-hmm. feels um, just feels infinitely better. And you can do it on your own or you can do it with other people. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about um, community rituals and how for like the smaller things of life, right? So what is what does it look like? And I actually would love while we're on podcast. Um, so I have a question about how do we do that? But then I have specifically after that question, um, I would love your help in processing. I have a ritual that I would like to make next month. That's going to be really important to me. And I'd love to kind of get your feedback on how I can do that. Well, but first, what does it look like in the, I don't want to call them smaller. Cause I feel 
some guilt saying it, but like not all of our rituals are baptisms or weddings or graduations. They're smaller things like a job change or um, a book deal that you hope goes through and doesn't go through or a book deal that does go through and you want to celebrate. Like, what does it look like to celebrate in those moments? Or even like, let's say you're in the middle of a health crisis and you start a new medication and it works and you want to celebrate that with your friends, like, or your kid passes um, they had a really hard science test at school. And so you were like, okay, we're going to have this ritual to celebrate that we, you know, we got through the test and we did our best shot, whether it was an A plus or a F, right? Like how do we celebrate or honor those experiences? Yeah. So some of those are going to be continual. Some of those are things that can be repeated. And so with your particular community, um, which is frequently someone's family, but maybe it's a friend group or maybe it's like a small group that you're, that you, that you regularly meet with. For celebrations, you can have a particular way that you celebrate. Maybe there's a maybe there's a particular thing that you always eat mm-hmm. to say, hey, this is awesome. Or maybe you go to a restaurant, you know, like like so many rituals are. And so every time you go to the restaurant, you know that that is for celebration and that you only go to that restaurant when you're celebrating. You only eat that food when you're celebrating. And at that point, you you acknowledge mm-hmm. something that's new or something that's different. Yeah. Um, but I think more than that, our gatherings can have purpose. Priya Parker wrote a really great book about gatherings. I can't remember the title right now, but I use her a lot in my books about, uh, in my book about having community rituals. And she's basically like, so think about a birthday party. Like those are things you're celebrating, you're celebrating moments, you're celebrating things, but birthday parties can be really bland. Um, You know, I just turned 50. Mm -hmm. And so I turned 50 when I was, when I was international and I had a specific thing that I did when I turned 50, but I'm like, I want to have a gathering with my, with my friends. But I don't want it to be like, hey, you're 50. Let me just bring you a gift. And so so I'm 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 saying when I have gatherings at my house at my house, I want them to have a particular purpose. And so this purpose is a birthday party. But the it's not happy birthday, Amy. It's like the next 50 years. If you want to bring a gift, great. You don't have to. But if you bring a gift, give it make it a piece of advice. Make it something that's going to help me thrive in my next 50 years, because this birthday party isn't about the last 50 and who knows, I'm my grandma lived to be 100. But, mm-hmm. but like, how do you, how do you, how do you give it meaning? And in that sense, it becomes a little bit, it's not super ritualistic, but it becomes a ritual yeah. that, um, that then has deep meaning and hopefully helps because I'll have people who, who are in their next 50 years, like, mm-hmm. what are they going to bring to me? I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. And all people who are, who are in their 30s and in their 20s, and, and what, what are they going to bring to me that they think is going to help me survive? That's great. Um, last fall, when I finished the manuscript of the book, I had a completion party. Awesome. So I invited everyone in and I'm like, some things never get done, but there's a lot of things that has, that have gotten done. Just like, like you wanted to finish your meal, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, in the, in the craziness of, of like this river that seems to flow, 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 flow in our, in our area of work. And it's just like, like you jump from one thing, thing to the next. So I just had a completion party. I was celebrating the completion of my manuscript, but I said, I said, bring something and we put it on a bulletin board. And so they just, they just put it on a bulletin board. It was a completion party. Now those are gatherings, but you can, you can make things that have ritual elements to them. And so then I also had a little favor that I gave everyone and they were just, um, they were seeds that came from my garden. I left the garden. So it was like part of giving part of me to them. And they're very easy to grow. And I said, I said, this is, these are seeds for the next thing that you're going to finish. These are things for, for, for where you're going to grow. And so, so, so yeah, those are like little idiosyncratic things that I do. 
uh, but it comes from how do you how do you create meaningful gatherings? And then uh, more than that, like we have a restaurant that we go to when we celebrate mm -hmm. and we don't go out very much. Mm -hmm. um, we cook really well. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when we go out, we're just like, well, that was a waste of money for food. Mm -hmm. it yeah. really good. But there's, there's one place that, that we go that's meaningful for us. And so when we finish something, we go there or there are certain, so as a family, you can, you can create it. And it doesn't have to be the same thing over and over. Yeah. Um, the, one of the challenges that I find in creating something is that sometimes it takes a while to figure out what, what resonates and feels like the right thing. Yeah. You can't rush ritual creation. Mm -hmm. Like you can't, you can't rush it. But if something happens, you want to, the, the most effective rituals are going to market when it happens. Mm -hmm. And that's why when we do woman, we want to market when society says, you know, you finished college, we, we connected it to that. You finished college, you're going to be an adult in the world. Yes, they say it starts at 18. And so that'd be a great time in the market too. So society says, hey, you're an adult, hey, you're a woman or hey, you're a man. Mm -hmm. To connect it to that um, and to do it at the time rather than acknowledging it. 10 years later. Yeah. And so um, this past spring, I had an accomplishment in, I work for the Institute of Worship Studies in Florida and they voted me in as permanent faculty. It will yeah. only ever be adjunct faculty because that's all we ever are there for mm -hmm. all of the people that work there. And so, so I got a symbol and, and we went out to this place for dinner because we were celebrating something there. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of like my family stuff. But the thing is you get to create yeah. it. You can be as creative as you want. And if you feel like, like, I don't, I garden. So I, I these are from my garden right behind me. Um, but I don't paint and I don't do all of this other creative mm -hmm. stuff that people normally think is creative. Um, but, you know, when you're thinking about ritual, sometimes it's, it's, it's with a group that's already established. Yeah. But, but you get to, what's interesting about symbols is that symbols participate in the reality to which they point. And that's a quote from Paul Tillich, I think was it. It's quoted in the book. Like, so my ring that means marriage, it's a symbol, but it participates in, in the reality to which it points, which is my, which is my marriage, which is my covenant. Your necklace mm -hmm. is a symbol that in some way, because when you put it on, it participates in the reality to which it, to which it points. But anything can be a symbol. Yeah. Um, and we imbue meaning into the symbols as they are used. And so while so that may just look to someone else like, oh, there's just a necklace and I'm really not sure exactly what it is or why should I be wearing that to you? It means something different because of the way it's been used. And so we have these incredible opportunities to to create the symbolic meaning and to do things with a group of people, because every woman who's gone through a woman, they see that on your necklace and they know. Yeah. They see that on your neck and they know because they've experienced that together. And that's a, that's a symbol that's been continually used. Wow. So we have these opportunities. And I don't know if I fully answered your question. I just got excited. That's uh, but that's just one of those things that happens when I talk about rituals. Mm -hmm. No, I love that. That's helpful. Well, the part that I didn't like about what you said, because it's hard for me, but I'm really glad that you said it was you can't rush rituals. <laughs> I yeah, want to rush like it. it. So I'm going to like ready. I'm going to tell you what I'm would love to ritualize right now. And I'm struggling because I do want to rush it. So I, in October, the end of October, I'll mark one year in Nashville. And I feel like I really want to mark that. It feels different than any other season where I feel like there's probably been the most risk to move here. And so I really want to honor that. For me, the ritual that I know I want to do by myself um, is I bought a birthday candle that says one, it's, po it's sparkly, it's amazing. Birthday candles are a really big ritual thing for me, even as a kid, like 
yes, I care about the cake, but I care about what the candles look like. Like, I don't want just the little, you can have the skinny little <laughs> one candles, but like there has to be some centerpiece candle. That's really important. Mm -hmm. And so I have a favorite bakery I'm going to go to and get a cupcake and have that for me. But I would love to include the community of people here that have loved me really well this year in creating space for me. And I am being a little stuck of like, what are some good questions for me to ask myself in building a community ritual that honors the community that I've built this year? Well, I think you need to ask the question of what, and maybe this is just, I know you're honoring one year, the completion of one year, but what are the different parts of that that you are honoring? Like, can you throw down some words that describe like, um, to just, to just describe what it is that you're honoring. And so like, so, so I knew when I finished my, um, finished my manuscript that I was just honoring completion mm -hmm. and it takes a long time to write a book manuscript. And so, so there's this honoring of completion. So, you, so what is it? Like, is it, is it risk-taking? Mm -hmm. Is it, is it, um, and ritual is always, especially if you're doing it on your own, feels very risky because it's vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Like you're letting people see something deep inside of you. Yeah. And when I, I mean, I never would have done the woman rite of passage, except my friend Wanda and Wanda, like the two different Wandas told me, Amy, no, you have to. Wow. Because for me, it felt like I was naked standing in front of people. I'm like, yeah. this is so deep for me. And I don't know if I can, if I can let you share this. Mm. So there's a certain amount, there's a certain amount of risk and you say, and, and you say, okay, do I, do I want to honor risk? Do I want to honor the joy? Do I want to honor the pain? What is it? Like what are, what are the, the elements and can you narrow down those elements to just a couple of things? Mm -hmm. um, and then when you're doing it with community, how can I invite them to participate? And this really comes from Priya Parker where it's not like, okay, you're just coming to watch me. No, you're not just coming to watch yeah. me. You have already participated, but I'm going to invite you to participate in a very, very specific way. Mm -hmm. So when, when Parker talks about it, she talks about, um, it's, I think the book is just called Meaningful Gatherings, like how to plan meaningful gatherings. She talks about this guy who just told everyone, hey, bring a photo mm -hmm. to this Christmas party and we're going to hang them all. No, just send it to me. And then they hung them all on the Christmas tree and then they stood around the Christmas tree and they told the stories of these photos that were meaningful. Wow. You know, and so do you say, hey, you know, as we're doing this, I want you to bring a photo of us that you have. I mean, my immediate fear is like, oh my goodness, do we take a photo together? Yeah. Maybe bring a photo or something meaningful that you have from this past year that, that you can say that you've seen in me. So you can create, like, it doesn't have to be like, it doesn't have to have a beginning or an end if you're yeah. gathering with people, but it can. Mm -hmm. So it depends on how formal you want it to be. So when I had my completion party, cause I knew it was like a disparate group of people that didn't all know each other. I'm just like, just put it on the, put it on the bulletin board and then tell me about it. And so, so they put it on the bulletin board and told me about it. And I was thinking, oh, should we have a big group thing? And I'm like, no, most people wouldn't be that comfortable with mm -hmm. that. Although I would be like, I, but they're all my friends. Like yeah. they're not all connected to each other. So they don't necessarily care, but this, but you can decide how formal you want it to be. You can decide if there's going to be a beginning and an ending to it. Cool. You can decide, um, you can decide. And what is the spiritual meaning? I think specifically, what is, how, how do you want it to help you move forward? What do you want yeah. it to do for you? Mm, um, what, what do you feel like you need? Yeah. And, and what do you want it to do for you? And then, and then if you figure out what you want it to do for you, is it only a looking back thing or is it only mm. a looking forward thing? If you figure out what you want it to do for yeah. you, then you ask the follow-up question of how do you embody mm. that? Great. That's um, super helpful. 
yeah, so it's just kind of like, okay, well, what, what are we marking? How can I invite people to into it? And I'm just coming up with these right here, yeah, right? Great. There's, there's some stuff, there's some principles about making good rituals that I have in the book, mm-hmm. but then also, um, also what do I want it to do for me? And then how do I embody it? Mm-hmm. Love that. That's super helpful. Thank you. Friends, you can, I'm you looking can, forward. You can we can talk more. Too. Yes. I'd love yeah, to. We can talk more about, about what you're going to do. I'd love yeah. to chat about that. I know. I'm going to have to think about all those questions. It'd be great. But as we end our time together today, I feel like our time has flown by. Um, how do people get connected to you online? Um, and I also want to tell people the exciting news that you have kindly offered to do a signed copy and we're going to do a book giveaway. Um, so this book comes, or the book comes out September 26th, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. This podcast episode will be out and live on Wednesday, September 27th. And Friday, September 29th, 2023, um, at 3 p.m. Um, Central Time, so that'd be 4 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, is when I'll do the, the drawing. And we're going to send a listener a copy of the book. How you get entered into that giveaway, I'll make sure it's all on social media, um, is that you make sure you're following both Amy's page and our um, podcast page that you tag your friends to tell them about this book. If this is a book that you think would be really helpful for your community, um, just so you know, it will be helpful for you in your community. Um, <laughs> who, are, who are the friends that you think would want to go through a journey with you, maybe even read the book with you? Um, tag them in the comments, and then you also get bonus points if you share it um, on your social media platforms to tell other people about it. Um, you'll get bonus entries into the giveaway. And I'm so excited to be able to give away a copy. So I really appreciate you doing that for our community. Well, I'm excited to give it away. I do have some some copies, as you can see, some of the ones over here. I'm going to probably, I just opened this this package last night, but I have like four boxes. Yeah. So I'm probably going to do on my Instagram and maybe on my Facebook later today. On Instagram, I'm at Amy F. Davis A. F as in Francis. Mm-hmm. Twitter is the same. Um, you can find me with Amy Francis, no, Amy F. Davis Abdullah on Facebook if you want to find me there. I have an author page. Also, I have um, my website is does not have the F. So it's amydavisa.com. And there's a whole bunch of information there about not just this book, but other books that I've written about speaking and just about who I am. And uh, you can contact me there. It's a great way to contact me. But Instagram and Twitter would be also great ways to contact me. And I'm excited to like sign copies of the book and send it to you. And I will make sure that people I will in just so that people know, and if they're new here, Every time we have an episode, if wherever you listen to it, um, if you're on YouTube, you'll typically, I just link the author's website or the speaker's website, and you can find all of their information there. If you're listening to the audio version of this podcast on Spotify or Google Podcasts or Apple, um, iTunes, if you go scroll down a little bit, it's called the show notes. All of the information will be there. So I'll have a link. You literally can click a button and it'll take you to Amy's Facebook page or her Instagram page. I try to do that just so it's really easy for you. That while we're talking, I know sometimes it's hard to write things down or maybe you're in the car or on the treadmill or wherever you're at listening to the episode, but that way you can go back and have it and also be able to share it with your friends there. But Amy, thank you so much for this conversation. I pray that it blesses our listeners and that we will continue to be men and women who learn what it's like to hold the balance of life, of the joy, of the pain, and of everything in between. Can't wait to have you back on the show. Oh, I would love to come back. This has been delightful. Thank you.